Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Whether you are a first-time or repeat listener, you can check out all of the previous episodes of the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also read up on them on thereitispod.com. We have a blog section. You can also read about comedy. And you can also support us. We have PayPal and Patreon options for you to support us. Very much appreciate that. Listen, we are a legitimate podcast here because we have all the markets. We have PayPal and Patreon and a blog and episodes. You got to have episodes if you're going to be a podcast. Well, we got them. Here's something uh, that's exciting that I just want to share briefly here because we have a a fun episode I want to get to. I got cast on a house team at the Magnet Theater. I can't believe it. I love that theater. I just adore it so much. And I'm on a team with people I adore. These are people I've been seeing for a while. I just think they're so funny. I just can't believe I'm on a team with them. And uh, our team name is Pecorino. And we have our first show tomorrow night, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at the Magnet Theater. Pecorino, you know, before moving here, Didn't think I would be on a house team at Magnet, nor did I know about Pecorino cheese, and now I do, and it's delicious. Anyway, the Megawatt team, I can't believe it. Magnet is amazing. And uh, I guess that, you know, here's an amazing thing that's happening. I guess what Conan O'Brien said was true. If you work hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. I guess I worked hard. I guess I've been kind because this is an amazing thing that's happening. So just so thankful to be a part of this. Let's get to today's exciting episode. We have a former CIA operative on, and she's on because she did improv comedy before she joined the CIA. We have so much to just hear from her, and let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Emily Brandwin. Emily, people can see your bio all over the web. It's you're all over the place, you know, which is awesome. Uh, but for anyone who's unaware of who you are, you were doing improv comedy, and you were, you know, also a theater major in college, and then you became a CIA agent, a CIA agent for six <laughs> years, uh, and you actually just you started in the disguise department like a disguise officer yes um which was creating disguises which i want to talk about later but eventually you became an actual case officer and i just can't think of what better endorsement there is for improv (laughs) than to say it prepared someone for the cia Well, I always tell people that I truly did not have the natural, you know, trajectory into the CIA because most people who join the agency have wanted to do it since they were in the womb and probably came out doing like the sniper crawl and, you know, that's all they wanted to do. And I, I like that you said I was, you know, I was into theater. I was a total theater nerd. Like I, like I lived and breathed it. I did improv comedy and thought this was going to be 
my life. You know, I, that was all I wanted. And mm-hmm. I did what most theater majors do when they graduate from college. And I Move moved back home with my parents because <laughs> that's what we do. And they were eager for me to move out. And my mom was not the typical mom. And so she was a huge spy nut, like yeah, huge. She growing found up, the job for you. She found the job. And so I woke up <laughs> In the morning, and there was a printout on my floor. And like first, when I started reading it, it was like looking for adventure, want to see the world. And I thought, oh my god, my parents want me to join the army. Oh. And I literally was never. I was always picked last in gym class. I was like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> but I was like, this is this is truly. I was like, they really want me out of the house. But then I kept reading it, and it was for the CIA. And anybody else would think that was crazy. But if you knew my mom, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because every night That's she funny. would peruse the CIA website for fun. But for you, that's what she was, did. was your mindset, I mean, obviously you weren't like, what the heck, mom, where did this come from? Because you knew that background of her. But were you also like, oh, really? The CIA? How could I possibly oh. go into that? I honestly only applied because my mom said, if you apply to the CIA, you can live at home rent-free. I heard the words rent-free, and I was like, I'm in. I'll do yeah. it. You know, like the average I, actor and improviser, you hear free anything, and you're like, <laughs> I know. It's like free food, free rent. It's all good laundry. And also, I was like, they're not going to hire me. Literally, like, I do improv comedy at, you know, some regular comedy clubs and, like, comedy clubs that were, like, strip bar adjacent. Like, oh, yeah. not the most, yeah, you're probably familiar with some of those types of clubs, right? <laughs> For my stand-up days, I have been in the dingy, the dingy clubs. I haven't, well, I've only, like, once or twice. I've only been in New York for a year and a half, so... The improv world for me is still opening up in a lot of ways when it comes to oh, those sort of stories. Yeah. You're going to have so many exciting stories in like two years when we connect. I'll be like, so tell me about those dingy clubs. I literally performed in front of the monkey house at the St. Louis Zoo. Like literally my parents are probably like, she needs to get a real job. She literally needs to get a real job. And I, so I applied and yeah. That's, that's really cool. And I, before you get more into what the process of applying sure. like, I mean, you were in improv for a while before that. Yeah. Absolutely. Where were you studying? I did it in college. I I was familiar with it because I had either seen it on TV or seen it in clubs before college. And then in college, I just, it was just something I had to do. I just, it was sort of in me. And so I joined the college improv group, which I think a lot of us do, and you kind of start going, okay, that's what that's about. That's what, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking about it, how you think and how you move. And then um, I also started taking classes. And then when I graduated, I lived in St. Louis. So there was like one big improv company there. And I joined that company. I was the youngest one there for a while. Mm-hmm. I think there was just two girls, you know, so, which was nice because as an improviser, when there's not as many women, you get to you get a lot of experience. You get a lot of sort of stage time just playing all the female roles because we're kind of right. that's just what happens a lot that's, of the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's only something that recently has started to change. to change. And it needs to. It mm-hmm. so needs to change because there's it, it, the comedy's just funnier when everyone's represented. When all these voices mm-hmm. are there, everything is just inherently funnier, and you connect to such a wider audience mm-hmm. and. I people genuinely love... play somebody who's like like a man playing a woman and does it in a genuine way or or you yep. know like playing anyone that the person the improviser is not 
that is, I think, more inclusive as well because it's showing acceptance. Absolutely. I just gave you an imaginary high five, but you can't see it because we're not talking in person. (laughs) But yes, there was an imaginary high five there. I agree with you completely. And so I was doing improv and it was great because I was still young and I was Mm -hmm. getting a lot of professional improv experience. I mean, we performed a lot because we were the gig in town. So, you know, I had my experience doing comedy clubs and, you know, (laughs) it was in St. Louis. Okay. And, and so we did it. So you didn't yeah. have like you weren't uh, in Chicago doing IO or no. LA and Groundlings or anything like that. No, I thought about it. I thought you know I I didn't know how long I could you know live at home rent free and <laughs> you know I was doing a lot of odd jobs too. You know my yeah. dad was a physician. I literally worked in his office dipping urine samples. I know it sounds glamorous, <laughs> but don't be jealous. But yeah, I dipped a lot of urine samples. And did improv comedy. And so I knew that I really I had visions of going to L.A. And that was sort of in my brain. I'm like, may I'll go to L.A. and take classes at Groundlings or something like that. And then, you know, my mom sort of warped that plan. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, because that would have like, been the next step was you moving to Chicago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I just had to sort of get the guts to do it. The irony is I tell everybody I was so scared to make that move to Los Angeles. Right. And that I stayed in LA for years, I stayed in St. Louis for, you know, years yeah. doing improv that joining the CIA was just a lot less scary. The like when that moving to LA was more scary than joining the CIA. I'm like, oh my mind, it was like a lot less. I'm like, oh, it's a government job. I'll be fine. I'll just go to the CIA instead. What if you had moved to one of the big improv cities, what theater do you think you would have gone to to study at? You know, I was young. I probably would have you know, I, it's interesting because I've now taken classes since I left the agency and, you know, sort of dabbled. You know, I don't know. I, I do a lot of, I did comedy sports here. So it was sort of mm-hmm. that very short form game improv, mm-hmm. which I love. And I think a lot of us are familiar with it because of Who's Line. Right. Um, you know, I wish I did more long long form because I think it's it's so interesting to see the game inside of the game and to mm-hmm. see how that transforms. And I, I love the thought process and the challenge of that too. Mm-hmm. I probably would have done Groundlings because I think it's what you know and it's the big name mm-hmm. in LA. Mm-hmm. But I also love the character work that they do right. too. And I think it's really interesting and you see these characters that aren't, you know, they're big obviously a lot of the times, but they're not they're not two-dimensional. The reason I think we laugh at them is because there's something, you know, really real at it. And so I think that, to me, was really, really intriguing. So I probably would have done that and then, you know, another short form, I probably would have done, like, a comedy sports or something else that really specializes in that game, sort of the games, because I love doing that because it's just fun. Like, it's immediate gratification when you do short-form improv because it's, you just, you get the laughs all the time and you, you know immediately how you're doing. And I think long form sometimes takes a little more patience and mm-hmm. a little more trust in, you know, what you're doing. Cause it's sometimes it's the long, you know, it's, you have a kind of a wait to get to that big highlight, that big laugh. But when you get it, it's amazing. Yeah. That's really an interesting journey that you had there because Wait, I was going to ask you, what kind of improv do you do? Do you do short form or long form or what do you do? I've been doing long form form exclusively since moving to New York a year and a half ago but back home uh, it was a theater that did both every week and so I was doing every once in a while I would do short form I do prefer long form and that was the team the teams were mostly long form teams and I was on a long form team so why do you prefer that over short I think 
because I'm not one of those people that hates short form, but snob, you short form snob. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a snob about it, but I do think that the focus can be in a direction that I am not as interested in sometimes. Like when it's done well, it's just great, but Genius. I think I I think that there there're times when someone can take an approach that is just focused on whatever obstacles or, or things were put on the on the scene right like if you're supposed yeah. to sit stand or lie down it's a lot of times you see that played and it's only about them sitting standing or lying down it's not a scene and it's yeah. more interesting to me to see a scene and you can yeah, only yeah. get that with long form and when people do that do a real scene with short form and then they have these like crazy things added to it then it adds <laughs> another funny layer but I want to see a, a real scene first and foremost. Yeah. So that's why I like long form more. I'm always curious. It's always interesting to talk to people and see, you know, which resonates to them more and, and why. And it's mm. what I like is that I think people are, are getting, I think, to know long form more and to understand it because it's such an art in and of yeah. itself that's so interesting and challenging. But I, I I love that. And when you see it done well, like we yeah. used to go see I.O. here in L.A. And there's some, uh, when it, so there's it's just some like. phenomenal performance uh, over there, yeah. It was like jazz. It was just like yeah. everybody was just moving in sync. And it was just like beautiful. You're like, ah, uh, this is how it, this is amazing. It's so cool that you compared it to jazz because that's the thing I always compare it to is that when it's working well, it's like a good jazz band. Where you know there's a rhythm that's being kept, but it's it's like a loose sort of flow, and then yep. everyone's taking turns soloing, you know, and and all Absolutely. supporting each other when we're not soloing. That's it's such a good way to uh, make an analogy for what improv yeah. is. But a lot well, of people don't really, know jazz. Well, we're both really smart, Jason. If we both have <laughs> the same thing, that's what you're trying to say. That was the point that you're trying to say. Yes. End yeah. of, okay. That's the end of the interview. That's where there it is. <laughs> and <laughs> We're both <scene>. smart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, um, so your background, I know you had a lot of short form background, but what just so people could have a sure. sort of sense of the upbringing and improv you had, what theater would you say it's closest to the the training you had? Um it's probably more the comedy sports, maybe a little second city. Okay. I think it was a nice combo in that and sort of laying the basics of improv, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. lots of yes anding and all that kind of thing. Yes. And I, I'm one, (laughs) all the yes. And, you know, Uh, you've, you've mentioned that improv prepared you for a a job in the CAA more than anything. Uh, How so? It's interesting. I think I think I mentioned to you, but I get asked all the time. People are like, oh, what should I do? I want to join the CIA. You know, what are the skills? Actually, people don't sound like that. I don't know why I did that as an impression. <laughs> Nobody at all sounds like that. Um, but people always ask me. It's like when I do like my husband's voice, and uh, my husband once heard me do an interview. He's like, you know, I don't sound like that. I'm like, in my mind, you do. He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, okay, you're right. Um, <laughs> That's funny. 
And you're right. It just in the moment it sounded good, but it people is always like the, ask like that insulting thing that people do when they repeat what you said, and it's like, oh, you're gonna repeat what I. You were just like, oh, repeat what I said. I was like, no one, why you make me so, sound so stupid? <laughs> I'm like, D- have I ever sounded like that? If I have, you need to stop me in the moment and tell me not to sound like that. <laughs> right. um, or then if my husband does my voice realistically, I'm like, oh, God, I sound like that. Oh, God. Okay, you can stop me. <laughs> stop me now. Um, but people do. They always say, you know, I want to join the CA. What do I need to do? What's the kind of training I need? And, uh, you know, second language. I'm like, that's great. And it's all the skills that you would think, and then like, well, what helped you the most? And I tell everybody every single time, it was having improv comedy background, having that background, mm. having that skill set, having that know-how that just is intrinsic in your body after you've done it for a while. That language, that vocabulary helped me more than anything else. Because when you're in the CIA, there's nothing, nothing is normal. There's no black and right. white to your day. Every day is different. Every situation is different because you're dealing with people and nobody, no person is predictable. No situation is predictable, just like with improv. So in improv, you get a situation that's new, fresh, and all of a sudden you have to react and you react with yes and. And so Mm. I do that in my life too. If you get a situation, I'm always like, okay, let me just yes and this. To (laughs) get the negative out of the way, get the negative out of the space, move the obstacle away so you mm. can move forward. And in the agency, and CIA, you know, you'd be overseas and someone would ask you a question, you have to lie on your feet oh, all the yeah. time. You're constantly having and to convincingly lie. lie. And do it convincingly. You have to act it. But you have to be able to think of that, that lie, mm. and you have to be able to know how to act on it immediately. And that was improv to me. Because in improv, you know, you make it, a suggestion all of a sudden, okay, I am a farmer on the moon and I have to be the most convincing farmer on the moon in that moment. And it's the same thing. (laughs) That was never a cover that I used in the CIA. I'll just be clear. (laughs) I never used moon farmer, but, um, but I guess that the jig would be up immediately. If, all of if a sudden, there's going to be a knock on my door. You told him about the moon farmer bit. And I was like, oh, so sorry. Um, Space Force. But, ah, shoot. You broke me, Jason. You broke me. Um, but to me, that's why it was so helpful. And I tell people now, I'm like, it's the two classes I think it will help you in anything in your life, no matter what job you have, is improv. And also a good writing class, I think, is also important. But I tell everybody, take an improv class, even if, it just, even if it's just to make you more comfortable in your own skin, even if it's just to make you a little bit more comfortable to think more freely and mm-hmm. more openly and to kind of remove those obstacles in your brain, it will help you. Even mm. if you're never going to perform a day in your life, being able to think like that and be that spontaneous in the yeah. moment, I think is so important. I think that's another challenge is exactly like yeah. what's the worst thing that's going to happen when you do improv and you fail? Like you don't get a laugh. Like <laughs> right. you're not going to be killed. No one's going to take you outside and be like, <laughs> we have to beat you now. That joke really sucked. So yeah, you can never do this again. Like, okay, you just didn't get a laugh. Like <laughs> it, you're right. It takes that fear away. Like, Okay, what's the worst thing's going to happen? Okay. And I also imagine that the soft skills of improv help a lot as well, like listening. Yes. Like you're a better listener, and since you have to get information and retain that information, I imagine, uh, as an agent when you're out in the field, then those those two things are huge in improv, and you, you had some good training ground for years for that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was listening to you. 
joking. <laughs> See? See what I did there? <laughs> um, I'll do a callback in, in a few minutes. No, it is. I, um, <laughs> we get the I third always, beat. So yeah. You get the third one. It's always in threes. Mm-hmm. I always, it's funny. People always ask me, like, who's better at, you know, being a case officer, an operations officer? You'll hear that term interchangeably a lot of times and that's what people think of when they think of like a cia spy they're not called spies it's usually an operations officer but they would say you know who's better a man or a woman because everyone wants to do that gender thing and i always say it's a it's women and one of the reasons is because they listen so well Mm. and so being a woman which i think intrinsically that's what we do we're a little bit more intuitive like that and we listen a little bit harder and a little bit more to those details mm-hmm. along with improv really, really helped. And so if you want to join the CIA, be a woman, be a woman. and do improv now. I'm joking. Or, or, you know, I mean, the future is female. And so at least like adapt to being more like women. Uh, I just high fived you again. Oh, you yeah. have no idea. Mm. Yeah, you got two of them now. <laughs> just want to say. Rules of threes. That's going to come. Yes. Yeah, but you go for the hat trick. <laughs> yep. Uh, So tons of improvisers have gone from a smaller improv city to the big improv city like L.A. or Chicago or New York. Um, You, instead of going to one of those cities, went from uh, the smaller improv city to the CIA. And I imagine that has to be an even bigger culture shock. Uh, How did you transition into that? Well, first of all, I was so naive to what the CIA was. Everything that I knew about the agency was what I saw in the movies and TV shows, Mm -hmm. which means all of it is wrong. Like, it's all wrong. There's nothing similar to any of it. So, you know, walking in, I I tell people I kind of felt like I was a Martian. You know, I I felt like I was from outer space. I was this, you know, kind of, you know, awkward, (laughs) really awkward theater kid. And here I am, you know, my first day of work at the CIA walking on the seal, that seal that you see in every movie oh, and every wow. TV show. And that's gotta be then, surreal. You know, it was absolutely surreal. I remember feeling motionless. I was like standing there and then I was standing in front of the wall that you see all the time with all the stars, the memorial wall. And every star represents a man or a woman in the agency who lost their lives serving our country. And, mm-hmm. you know, that feeling is, so unbelievably palpable. And I remember standing there and wanting to walk, but I couldn't walk. It was like somebody was holding my legs to the ground. And I, it was, I mean, I remember it so vividly and it was years ago, but it was like almost like the world was kind of spinning around me at the agency. And I saw all these very well-suited, you know, men and women who looked very serious kind of walking around and they all looked like they had a purpose and a mission and something to do and something to work towards. And I just, kept thinking, what am I doing here? You know, I had a very <laughs> ill-fitted suit. It was my first suit ever, you know, and I, I felt like I was playing make-believe or I was doing dress-up and I was in a role in some kind of play. And I thought, okay, that's probably the only way I'm going to survive is to kind of fake it until I make it. And, you know, it wasn't, it was totally a culture shock because also it's very rule-based. I remember I had a fight with one of my first bosses because I needed to get a signature and she's like, it needs to be on the cream paper. I'm like, it is cream. She's like, that's off-white. I'm like, what's oh this? She's gosh. like, she goes, this is a crew. I'm like, are we debating a J. Crew catalog right now? <laughs> like, what, should I get the eggshell color? I'm like, this is absolutely asinine, but mm, that's the I'm government. Just, the only thing, I don't have... Um, jerks who are listeners but 
any like misogynist listening or who is out there would hear that story and just go, see, that's that's what women in the CA would be like arguing about <laughs> distinctive colors. But that was <laughs> but just that little one do they month. know everybody would argue about that. Right, exactly. They would assume it was every woman, and it's, of course, like, uh, there's a man who's making that argument with you, too. Yeah, or a man who's going to yell at you because he thinks you stole their hummus from the refrigerator. Like, trust me, there are are petty disagreements and fights by both genders at the agency. Oh, that's funny, but I would imagine that they would be able, as, you know, spies, be able to find who stole it without being... Oh, you want to hear something good? You want to hear a good story? What? About that? Yes. And you could look it up. I forgot how many years ago. But it was a few years ago. Some Somebody at the agency was noticing that I think it was, and I'm telling the story super poorly, so I just want to set that up as really <laughs> exciting for anybody who's listening. I'm like, I'm about to tell you a really shitty story. Um, <laughs> but it was like two or three years ago, they found out some contractors who worked for the agency. I think that's what it was. They, they assumed, they thought they were maybe stealing money and food from the vending machine. Mm-hmm. So literally the CIA set up a sting mission inside the CIA <laughs> with cameras and surveillance and found these dopes stealing. And I was like, well, oh that's gosh. genius. Why would anyone? Oh, gosh. It was like for like a few hundred bucks, too. I'm like, you guys have top secret security clearance, which is worth thousands and thousands of dollars. You have access to a world that a lot of people would want to work in, and this is what you do? Like, it was asinine to me. That it was crazy, so but of insane. course, like, I was like, is this, was like, is this the onion? Is this for I real? I know, yeah. I mean, like, why would you decide, if you're going to steal from somebody, why would you make Excuse it people, me. like, spies? Why would you make it people who look for it? Crazy. <laughs> and I also yeah. just love the amount of work that the agency did to catch it. You know, like some oh, of us would be insane. like, oh, we'll put up a nest camera and like, that'll be that. They're mm-hmm. like, they went full on. I was like, well, you know, That's you hilarious. mess with the bull. So you had this transition period there and you were yeah. arguing with the people early, well, that <laughs> one person early on about like <laughs> how, how specific things needed to be. And as I mentioned, you were originally hired as a yep. disguise officer. Yes. Now, this is fascinating to me because I thought, out of all the things in movies, I thought... That was the bullshit thing? That was the biggest one, or one of the biggest ones. And the and I, that is... I, too. I, that is mind-boggling, but that is real. And I don't mean, mean that in a, oh, come on, take it more seriously sort of way. It's just, wow. You know, like, yeah, I guess that needs to happen, but I just assumed Hollywood got that wrong. Well, imagine my surprise when I didn't know what my job was because they didn't tell me until literally my first day. And I knocked on the door and was like, they can't. I was like, because during the interview, I was like, can you tell me what the job is? They're like, no, we can't tell you. I'm like, can't give you details. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, can you tell me if it rhymes with egret agent, A? And they're like, no, we can't. And there was like no laughter. I'm like, this is a tough room. Um, (laughs) Tough, tough room. That's also how improv helped you, like performing in those uh, uh, clubs next to a strip (laughs) club. And if you'd bomb there, then like, hey, you know what? Bombing at the CIA, not as hard. (laughs) Yeah, if you bomb in the CIA, you really, um, but yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah the, that could go the, in a not good place. That's the right kind of bomb when it comes to the CIA. You don't want exactly. to bomb. Exactly. A comedy bomb. I remember it was, yeah, it was like literally the first day and I was like, what is all of this craziness? It kind of looked like a room, like out of Spencer's gifts, like you just see wigs and mustaches and I was like, wait, hold up, what, what, what? And 
I didn't even, I didn't know either that this was a real thing. And then, I mean, it truly has such an important purpose. And I think like movies and TV shows, like the Americans show mm-hmm. the importance of disguise and they show it in a really good way. And that's why I love the Americans. Mm-hmm. And if anyone asks me, I always tell everyone that's the best espionage show because you see them using it for a real way. Uh-huh. And it's very technical because you're wearing a disguise, not because you're like, oh, this should be fun. You're wearing it because you need to protect your identity. But more importantly, you also want to protect the identity of your asset. Because there are a lot of situations where it looks weird, it looks suspicious if there is an American meeting with a foreign person in another country. Like, why are you meeting with an American? Why are you meeting with an American that we know works at the U.S. Embassy? And so there's real reasons to do that. And sometimes you need it and it needs to be a great disguise because you're going to be up close, you know, I'm going to be in front of your face. Sometimes it just needs to be something that in the middle of the night, maybe a woman shouldn't be driving in this country at two o'clock in the morning. So maybe I need a really easy disguise I can throw on that makes me more have a male profile. So when they see me driving, oh. they're going, okay, it's a dude. So it's fine. I'm not going to pull them over. And that doesn't look suspicious. So there's always a different reason. There's nothing standard in it. You know, for me, it wasn't, I think I mentioned it before when we were chatting, it wasn't the perfect job for me. You know, I think they thought because I was a drama major, I knew about disguises, but, mm-hmm. you know, I did restoration comedies and wore, you know, powdered wigs and corsets and <laughs> fake hairy moles. Like, nobody's going to go to, like, Afghanistan and be like, give me the corset. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. And so I, I was very fortunate about, you know, six, eight months into that job, I had met, um, an operations officer, because those are the clients of disguise, those are the folks who need the disguise. And we just kept interacting, and he eventually was like, let's go have coffee. So we had coffee, and he's like, this is not the job for you. I'm like, yeah, I kind of know. He's like, mm-hmm. you almost look like you're bored. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like I'm using my skills. I don't think I'm using, like, me in it. And he goes, you should be an operations officer. And then he basically pitched me on being an ops officer. He's like, you have to be an actor. You have to take on a role. You have to be a great mm-hmm. listener. You have to be able to, you know, convince people things. And he's like, I've heard you do all of these. This is who you are. And so mm-hmm. I was really fortunate. And so I got very lucky. They don't often recruit from within the agency, but I had some good recommendations. And so then I went to the farm, um, which is nothing like the movie they recruit. <laughs> Nobody looks like Colin Farrell. <laughs> Let me just dispel that myth right now, because if they, they did, I probably like, wouldn't. Do they look yeah, more like Pacino? Yeah, a little. There's a lot more Pacinos than there are Ferrells at okay. the right. at the agency. Trust maybe, me. Maybe Otherwise, more Will Ferrell. Than yeah, Colin. yeah. Although if he was funny, and they're like, oh, more funny people. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I did the farm, and then spent the rest of my career traveling and and having that job too. And, so. and then you got to wear the disguises. I did, and you you do, and there's different ways and reasons you might have to alter your appearance. And I think another thing which was interesting is disguise doesn't have to be, you know, something like in Mission Impossible. Right, or it's Office not a mask like that, this, and then like something that you put on your throat. It could be anything. It could like just be like, you know, slicking back your hair, putting it in a hat, whatever it is. There's so many different, there's light disguises and heavy disguises, and so it was an opportunity, you always have to think about what your operation is, what you're trying uh-huh. to accomplish, and how your so appearance like impacts Saint. that. <laughs> what? I don't know if you've seen this movie called The Saint. It was based off of an old television show of the same no. name. Val Kilmer's in the movie version, and these wears a lot of disguise. Are you trying to sell me on a Val Kilmer movie? Listen, Val Kilmer is my first, uh, the first time I said someone was my favorite actor, it was Val Kilmer. 
And I stand by that choice. I think our interview is now over. Oh, no. No, I'm joking. I'm sure he's a lovely, I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely, lovely human. I shouldn't make any judgment. He's great in heat. I mean, I know he's done three movies with 50 Cent, but he's got some good ones, too. Some great performances. I feel like he could be primed for a comeback. Well, I mean, didn't he do what was the comedy he did? Was it weird? Not weird science. It he was, was in Real Genius, which is my Real Genius. Movie. That's right. That yeah, is no, my I did. I movie and the reason why he's my favorite actor. Okay, well then I forgive you, and we can continue speaking because yes. I do remember loving that, no, loving good, it. And this that was the one with the popcorn now, in the car, right? Yes, that's Real Genius okay. in the house. In the um, house, that's right. Uh, Top it. Secret okay. is a uh, a movie he did that's that gets along CAA operative type stuff where he was like a pop singer doing beach music. That's right. And was got in, got in uh, spy stuff. And that movie okay, is probably you, not accurate. Wait a minute. Between you and me, are you the president of his fan club? I Nobody will be. hear this. You really um, should be. <laughs> no, I do. I, I, I do. Cut to you in your place, like monitoring his site and commenting, <laughs> sending up T-shirts to his fan. I wish I had the T-shirts. I don't. You have to something to dream about. You have yeah. Something to work for. Um, it can happen. <laughs> it'll happen for me. Uh, one it will. Day I'll, I'll shake his hand. Uh, I, <laughs> but I, I am just so fascinated with the fact that there were. I was wondering how elaborate the disguises are. Um, but you are saying like it's it doesn't have to be. It could just be like slick back hair and a hat and sunglasses. It could be something. anything. I, I tell everybody there's a phrase that I compare to when your parents would say, because I said so, and it would drive you absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. And the CIA, they have a phrase, and it's called, um, it depends. It's because it always depends. The there's nothing... Yeah, it just depends mm-hmm. on the situation. Depends where you are, who you're meeting, what you're doing, mm-hmm. and everything is it depends. And that used to drive me nuts. I'm like, just tell me, just because I said so. And it literally was, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So but if that you are again goes back to improv. Let's say you're someone's out in the field in Russia, and they, like you were mentioning, they don't want to look like an American. Um, well, I mean, how elaborate would the disguise be? Would there be makeup or is it clothing? Again, options? it depends. It depends <laughs> because. Okay. Like Moscow is a very is a different place to work. It's a very hostile area, especially now, mm-hmm. and it's truly, truly impossible. So maybe in certain countries you don't even want to meet in person. Maybe you're doing an operational act that isn't meeting your asset. It just it literally just depends because yeah. you could be doing something that you don't need a heavy disguise. You just need something. It, it and it just truly it just depends. And the job that was a is to get information. Answer. No, no, no. I, I, it. I it does. I mean, I it's I'm being as honest as there as I can. Like, only I but so I, much you can say. And then I would have to show up at your place, right? And be like, right. I, we said I said too much. Yeah, no, I'm joking. No, um, <laughs> no, yeah, totally. <laughs> you're like, oh my god, that's a little scary. But... <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I just thought of it. Just made me think of a different movie, but not one with Val Kilmer with John what? Cusack. Gross uh, Point Blank. Yes. I love that movie. Oh my god, that's my favorite soundtrack ever! Like it's a literally, great I listen to the soundtrack. It is so so good. Pete Townsend, David Bowie. It's great. It mm-hmm. is. I literally was truly listening to it today. I came back from the gym and I was I listened to like the first four songs over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, I digress. But yes, uh, uh, you know we're your job really is in the CIA is to get information. If you're out in the field, you're trying to get information that you need. So it's, it's less about let's 
you know, get in disguise and meet with somebody so we can secure blah, blah, blah. Like you're trying to get information. And that, I think, is something that you're also trying to do in improv, you know, and that's another connection to improv there. When you're in an improv scene, at the beginning, you're just trying to get information. Who am I? Where are we? Who are we to each other? What do I want? And that's a lot of yes and, because someone will say something like, oh, we're, you know, we're in Des Moines. Yes, Des Moines is beautiful, and this, and you're always mm-hmm. trying to do that and to add to it and just get the information so you can act, so you can make a decision. And, it's, yeah, it's similar to that, but that to me is also not exclusive to the CIA. It's not a, no. you know, exclusive to improv. That's, that's real life stuff as well, and I think yeah. that's what we do all the time. We're just more focused on it when we're in an environment like on the stage doing improv. That's why I tell everybody, take an improv class because that is your everyday world. Have you noticed after doing improv that you think differently in just your day-to-day stuff? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, even uh, if you're thinking about relationships, if you're in a, if you're in an argument, uh, a big way to yes. And your partner, if they say they feel a certain way, you may disagree with some of the details about what happened and what led them to feel that way but you have to say yes you feel that way i understand that and add some sort of value to it yeah Um, because it is val it's it's there it is how they feel and you have to say yes to that you can't say no that's not how you feel um and or that's no that's not how you should feel so it's you know improv is is Touching on a lot of things in everyone's day-to-day life or work life, you know, home and work life. I agree. And I, in large and small ways. We sound like a commercial for improv. Well, yeah. <laughs> Today is definitely a day of... Uh, <laughs> this episode is definitely a, an improv commercial. A piggybacking on that, I've uh, crowdsourced some questions, so I'm going to. I thought you were going to say we're going to do some crowd work, and I was like, it's going to be a little hard. (laughs) Um, But I have uh, asked people for questions that they wanted answered. I'll pepper them throughout the discussion. Uh, Some of them are more funny uh, than others. Um, Here is one, and you may not be able to answer this, but has improv saved your life in some way? You know. it's funny. People ask me, and I'm gonna. I hopefully my answer will get back to your question, and I don't mean to be evasive. It's people always say, like, were you ever scared in the moment? In the moment, I was never scared. When I got home, I would be scared. And so, saving my life, I think every time you go out and you do something, it's always inherently dangerous. And there were situations that were more dangerous. Being able to think quickly on my feet and to think confidently in every decision I made had to do with improv. It had to have that acting Mm. background. And so it inherently helped me in everything I did. You know, because every time you travel, you a lot of times would travel under a different name. And so you're a different person. So having that confidence to be able to play that part was improv. And so absolutely it helped. That's awesome. This is another one of those things where improv, I think, can save people's lives in many different ways uh yep. can give people a, a a place you know like all these different things and in your okay. case it was like being able to be quick on your feet in tense moments yep we see a lot Absolutely. of these tense moments in movies of course everyone's seen of these, yeah you're talking about the americans uh and you've talked a lot publicly about what uh, people like what shows are not real and are real like 24 not an accurate depiction 
And uh, it's a little bit more egregious than Mission Impossible, which isn't <laughs> also is not an accurate depiction. But Mission oh, no. Impossible is intentionally, you know, like fictional. But 24 does have this sort of like, well, this is what it's like somewhat to a vibe. It has that sort of vibe to it. Because it takes itself even more seriously. Like mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, there's a tug-and-cheek aspect, and everyone yeah. knows that no one can humanly run like Tom Cruise runs. <laughs> um, and I was like, there he goes, he's running. Um, <laughs> and that's an aside. I, did you see the latest Mission Impossible? I have not yet. I want to, Good. but I do know that he trained for like a year to fly a helicopter just to do a stunt. And I mean, this uh, guy... Yeah. if. Uh, another question someone did ask, and I'll yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to the one that I was okay, we'll get uh, back to getting that. to about the like what people get right and wrong. But a question oh, someone did ask was, are there famous people who are agents? And I and you probably can't answer that, but if there is one, it's probably Tom Cruise, right? No, he's a little <laughs> like. I'm going to keep all of my opinions. I think he's a very talented actor. Um, he would be, and the movie's very, and the movie's famous. very good. The first two of the four hours of the movie were really good. Oh, it's um, a long movie. It's a little bridge over the river, quite long of a okay. movie, but it's still super fun. Super I still fun. really and, want to see it. Um, yeah, I literally, I was like, oh my god, if this, I was like, this mission would be a lot less impossible. Like. If he's running this fast, it shouldn't take this long. Um, <laughs> I was like, good Lord, is it still going? Um, but it's like really that. super fun. But no, there's nothing right there. I always tell people, you're saying like what people get right and wrong. What people get right is I always point to the Americans. And one of the reasons why I like it and why I always say this feels very accurate to the Cold War, to espionage, is because one of the creators who's brilliant and just like a great human is former CIA. And so he has been able to really, you know, really get nuggets and drop in nuggets that are really realistic. You know, when they stupid little silly things that I loved is, you know, when you see Mm. a character wear a disguise, you see characters when they have a wig on, they have a wig cap on because Mm -hmm. in the movies, a lot of times you'll see a TV show and they're just ripping off their wigs. Right. That never happens. If you You do that in real life, it would look ridiculous. It would look ridiculous to fall off your head. So they yeah, show like, like people putting party. clips in. Yeah. Exactly. You see when they put a, a mustache on, they're looking in the mirror. They're trying to put it on right. You see them when they put down a signal for or a drop, how they do it. And that feels, it's very realistic in that sense. I mean, look, it's a very heightened environment because it's a TV show. And right. ultimately I tell people like, you don't really want to watch what happens that goes on the CIA because it would be a lot of paperwork and you all would be bored off your ass. But mm-hmm. What they do and they get right is is really good, and I think that's what has attracted so many people to the show. And I mean that and amazing writing, and it's all about relationships, really. And the spy part's kind of optional, you know. But right. I think that's why people are so connected to that show, and why people like me and other agency people we loved it. You know, it has that it has that realistic nuggets in it that makes it really feel grounded in a reality. Yeah, and. You like a, a variety of things, it sounds like. I mean, you're, you like the Americans, yeah. it's realistic, uh, but you also like the Bourne movies, and you like... Oh, I love the Bourne you know, movies. Uh, or, and which are probably less accurate, I would imagine. Oh, there's nothing accurate about the Bourne movies. <laughs> I love the Bourne movies, although, like, at the end, because it's, like, how it's shot, it's so jarring, I, like, need mm. a little drama, I mean, sometimes. I'm like, right. hey, just calm down with the camera. But I think they're so good, I love, like... And look, it's a fun movie. I don't go in going, I wonder if they're going to get the CIA stuff right. Like, you go and you're like, that's an amazing <laughs> right. action movie. You know, 
and so I love all that part of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Like, I liked seasons, different seasons of Homeland. Did it get, I mean, parts of that, yeah. you kind of go, I'm like, okay, that's kind of realistic. But look, nobody like Carrie would ever be Work hired or retained right. at the no. CIA. Like, I mean, it's like never. a year-long interview oh. process, practically, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a little, I mean, like, to me, it was a little over a not, year. Yeah, I mean, they vet people too much to let someone volatile like that in. Uh, and also, I imagine you've never tried to crash a helicopter into another helicopter. Like, I think that's in Mission Impossible. Oh, I haven't. Oh, oh sorry. Whoa, you um, have. Oh, okay. oops. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I did not pass my helicopter crash course. So they did not give me the helicopter for <laughs> that's that. That's not something Damn they it. do in the in the CIA. Damn. <laughs> a couple of these were user questions, but here's another or listener questions. But here's another: How full of it was Chuck Barris? You know, I, probably pretty full of it. I, I didn't even, you know, it's funny. Like, I love, first of all, I love the movie. And I liked him because I thought he was, there is something sort of magical about him. Yeah. And sort of his, like, kookiness and his joy. So, yeah, I would I'd say this. Sam Rockwell's so, great in that movie. Oh, good Lord, was he good. I love so Sam good. Like. I thought, like, that was his star-making performance. I was like, well, oh, yeah. he's he's a star and i'm glad that now everyone's like he's a star i'm like i thought he was a star yeah, way back like, then yeah 14 years ago he's, he's all charisma like mm-hmm. just and i think that's one of the reasons i was like ah i'm just gonna let him be he's yeah. just he's just kind of like he's just a sweet spirit <laughs> i'm gonna so find that he did no even more things wrong like agents yeah, That's like, you're, it, look, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that would be, I mean, like, I think it's... There's not, like, no, right. I mean, it's not. Like, there's no, there's no famous people running around being I mean, like, I hey, thought oh. it would be a funny movie idea to have some great who's like, movie. Yeah, because like movie happen. stars are going all over the world to, uh, you know, release their films, to premiere their films. But they don't need that. At the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, it's, I get why people say that and not to like be like harsh anyone's mellow with this. I don't know why I use that phrase. Um Look, ultimately, your job in the CIA is to blend in and to be yeah, anonymous. Exactly, you're supposed and to you be invisible. Be and so, if you're if you're, if you're like, oh, I'm going to jet off to Stad and then go to the Khan mm-hmm. Film Festival, like you're not anonymous. So, ultimately, <laughs> your job is to truly for nobody to think twice about you. You know, your cover yeah, jobs are yeah. usually super boring because you don't want people to go, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And for someone like me who used to perform, you're like, I have to be boring. I have to do what? You know, it was a little, you're like, oh, okay, you do that because you don't want to risk an operation. You don't want to risk, you know, your asset, your life, whatever it is. But so, no, famous people don't because you're ultimately people, you don't want to ever cause attention Mm -hmm. to yourself. You want to sort of just blend in. So out of celebrities. You want to be scenery. Right, exactly. So out of celebrities who, uh, (laughs) if they could be in the CIA, the ones who would be, maybe better at the job or are your maybe Meryl Streep's or Harrison Ford's or Tom Hanks, not so much your Tom Cruise's or Dwayne Johnson's. Yeah, probably not The Rock. Although <laughs> he would have been like my favorite. I would have been like, let's do lunch. Is that okay? And then I would have like batted my eyes. I don't know if you've seen the show Barry on HBO and I know it's not I love the thing. show Barry <laughs> So much, I, I can't even tell you. I want Henry Winkler to adopt me. Oh, cool. That's, it is, oh, God, I, I think him. it's an interesting connection here, though, just because, even though it's not a CIA show, because yeah. it is somebody who's coming from a world of, uh, you know, not Heightened. espionage, but just this like well, danger. Yeah, 
a world of danger, yes. And, you know, he does have to, he did in his job have to be sort of unseen. Um, yep. Like, a, like an agent does or an operative does. Uh, and then went to entertainment. <laughs> uh, do yep. you relate? And then he has to live his cover while he's now an acting mm-hmm. student. And learning so, how to act. And that's what people are having to do in the CIA. If they go out in the field, they are working uh, somewhere, playing a role, essentially. Exactly. And and that's on top of their job. Their actual job being. Right. Exactly. And then they have to go back and, and do that. So that's very interesting. How much do you relate to Barry? I know he's like a totally different personality. <laughs> yeah, type not, I don't really so relate other to him. That, I'm not, I don't mean to be like, oh, sorry. No, right, right, no. right. I don't mean that part of it, but the part of... I just of, didn't kill people, so that was really hard to relate to. Um, <laughs> so I don't... Yeah, that's no, what I mean. I don't mean that part of the show, but just No, I know. Like, I didn't really, because it's such a heightened show, and it's, uh-huh. it's, it's so different from, you know, I... Anything from, <laughs> Yeah, anything real or anything I experienced or anything anybody would experience working for the CIA. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Yeah. I would say, like, if you said, hey, when you watched The Americans, you watch Homeland, I could go, okay, yeah, there's moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, that feels that feels kind of right. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, I relate to that, but Barry, not so much. What? I mean, I relate to some of the acting students when they would get, like, frustrated in the acting scene, but nothing to do with the CIA. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm having flashbacks to college. <laughs> What do improvisers get wrong about the CIA or or work like this when they do improv scenes? Is it similar to how Hollywood gets it wrong? Yeah, I I think it's easy in the sense that like we play it what we think it is, and so you know unless you've worked at the agency, you're not going to play a scene like that. And also, it's probably not going to be interesting for the audience because the audience's frame of reference are probably what improvisers' frame of reference is too. So that's what you play. You know, you play what you think is in the movie, and that's what the audience thinks the CIA is, too. So to play it a different way, I don't know if you'd even have success in that, because you'd be playing a role that people aren't familiar with. And I think in improv, some of the joy is if, you know, you play a certain role, and there's a familiarity there, and there's something Mm -hmm. that, there's a connection. Even if you play it totally different, there's still that nugget of connection that you're like, okay, I know who that person is. I know what that job is. There's something there that that connects it to the truth that I know. Whether it's the truth or not, it's the truth that I know. Right. And what sense. are some of the things that people just in everyday life get wrong about the CIA? I mean, I would imagine some of that is the information they assume you have. Like, you know, they probably assume you know who killed Kennedy and have, oh, know all the no details idea. of, <laughs> of Area You have no 51. idea. How, I, I literally, first of all, like that question, <laughs> I, people ask, basically you're asking like, what do people get wrong? I get, I, cause I'm on Twitter and I'm pretty vocal on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. the shit that people think that like I did personally in the CIA, like yeah. literally from fake moon landings, like le- legitimately, I get so many like, you're in the deep state. And I'm like, oh my oh God, my gosh. take, I take the tinfoil hat assume. off. Right. Crazy. Conspiracy theories used to be just like the one, this one crazy guy on the street with literally a tinfoil hat on. Now it's like no. this thing that in a bunch of people you could meet and work with uh, actually believe. Oh, it's, Legit, like you would. Uh, yesterday, and the reason it's so fresh and you can hear it in my voice, and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yesterday, someone, some guy who claims to have numerology power, and I say that like that because I'm like, that's how 
crazy it is. Mm-hmm. And he like tweets my bio and he's like, this is how the deep state works. Ugh. And like, it does this whole thing. And I was like, Oh dear Lord. And his name was like Gary, the numerologist. And mm-hmm. I was like, so of course, like I tweeted something snarky, like who told Gary? Now you're not going to be invited to the deep state barbecue, which of course like set him off even more. And then he starts like tweeting more. But yeah, it's crazy. And so many people believe it, but we're in an environment, I don't want to get political, where people are not as trusted aren't trusting the news and they're mm-hmm. trusting when someone mm-hmm. says fake news and someone puts that out there, they immediately grab onto it. And it, oh, yeah. it's just this crazed environment that we have. And it's so sad and it does such a disservice to people who are actually working in the government. And I think that's another thing. People always think it's a very biased workplace mm-hmm. and not to get super serious. I will tell you with hundred percent confidence and certainty that anybody if you were to meet anyone who worked in the FBI, the CIA, you know, NSA, any of those government agencies, they've worked there through countless different administrations. They are not loyal to a president. They are loyal to our country, and they work in a truly, truly nonpartisan way. And they are so dedicated in keeping our country safe and doing what's best to our country that it would help you sleep well at night. And so when people are like, oh, they have an agenda, their only agenda is to make sure that our country is kept safe, truly, truly at the very core. And that was the thing when I left the agency, I was like, if I could have left my thumbprint, knowing that I had a little something to do with that made me feel so good because, you know, I think our country is amazing in so many beautiful ways. We're being tested in a lot of ways. And that always makes me sad when you hear that and people questioning the loyalty or the character or the integrity of government officials who used to be our heroes, like people used to look up to the FBI. And now that we're maligning them, it's disgraceful to me because I know those, I, I know those men and women. I know that they, what they sacrifice every single day besides their lives, the times, their families, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And so that to me, people get wrong. Look, mm-hmm. I also get like, I'm more joking. Like when people like, Oh, you work for the CIA legitimately one of the first questions people ask, which was a little crazy, like, so how many people did you sleep with? Uh. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's a and I was like, hey, question. crazy. Well, first of all, I'm like, let's just take this question apart. First of all, I love that the first question was how many. You didn't even ask me if you did. You just jumped to the fact that you're like, you must have slept around a lot. And they love Second, those movies. I love this. It's often movies, and I'm like, and then I love the assumption, like, I'm like, it's a government job. Do you think I'd ever do that for a government job at the end of the day? Like, no. Or unless and then you think like, it was just like a romantic, a truly romantic, you're out in the world and you're in some locale and get you meet somebody and you fall in love. Because that's uh, the movie yeah, that's, way to look at it. <laughs> as opposed to, like, uh, <laughs> I know what you've been doing. Craziness. Yeah. I think, and this goes back to what you were talking about, about um, the disservice, that part of the discussion about what yeah. people get wrong. I think some of that comes from people sort of looking at things as an entity. And we know that yeah. entities have ma- people in these entities have made mistakes. Like, you know, we know history. We know that, that some, yep. yeah, we know that people have done wrong things. Um, Absolutely, and and the, and they and it unfortunately happened in our government, you know, in our our history. We understand that that's the case, but to assume that every single agent who from here on out is just a okay with all that, or is doing that sort of stuff, or had some sort of hand in, like, you know, you weren't working there when uh, in the '60s or, or something, no. like, you know, when when anyone could talk mm-hmm. about like. 
uh, oh, they tried to kill Castro and shame on them. And it's like, listen, um, what, regardless of the dire- I'm sure there are arguments that people can make on either side That's of right. that. But I just mean, yes, Please. that happened. However, you, Emily Brandwin, should not have to answer <laughs> to that. I'm like, it wasn't me. <laughs> well, it is also, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, at the end of the day, the government, government agencies are made up of people. Yeah. People are flawed. Agencies yeah. are flawed. Yeah. The CIA is not a perfect agency, nowhere close. Yeah. But it does try. And FBI, not perfect, but it does try. And it tries to learn from its mistakes, and it mm-hmm. tries to be better. And I think what's hard now is one of the things that makes the CIA so great is the diversity that it has because it needs to, you know, you're meeting people from all over the world. You need to have that viewpoint. So it recruits people who are, who speak different languages or from different, you know, have those different backgrounds. And I get scared now that it's going to scare away that diversity because that diversity of thought is what makes it special and what makes it effective and what makes any agency or any company, anything that much better. And Mm -hmm. so I think, I mean, one of the, you know, people I think used to think that it was like the CIA was all white men. And for a while, it it was pretty true. You know, Mm -hmm. I, there wasn't a lot of women in my class, in my CIA training class. I was the only Jewish woman there. And they're like, oh, you're the diversity. I'm like, that's sad Mm. that I'm the diversity. Yeah. Um, But it's changed and it needs to change. And so I think hopefully that misconception is changing and I hope that encourages people of different backgrounds, different faiths, different, you know, everything comes together to protect and to serve this country and, you know, what it can be. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, right. um, no, I'm going to step down off my pedestal. <laughs> it's really high up here, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I just hope I, because I think it's a hard time for them now. Oh, it's a hard it time is. for the government right now. I think it's a hard time for citizens and the government and there's so much turmoil and there's so much like back and forth that's crazy and it's, it's tough. And I, and, uh, you know, I don't envy a lot of people's position and, and I, I do have empathy because, you know, people, like you were saying, people mess up, you know, people have, have, people are flawed and people have made mistakes and I just have, have never been one to say like, well, therefore, we don't need to have the CAA or the FBI or a police force. And it's like, OK, get rid of those things, but also get ready for a, a hell of a lot of chaos. And also you yep. having uh, your life in danger a lot more than it's not now. You know, you to, I mean, you don't have to pitch it. You know, you can there's ways to to fix it, you know, and yeah. I think people want that ultimately. Right. right. Um, well, I hope I got that third invisible high five. <laughs> you did. You actually got two high fives, so you got four. So you, um, it's more than the hat trick. I use no. a little sports uh, metaphor there or sports terminology. So mm-hmm. my husband hears this. So you can be like, how do you know hat trick? I'll be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's now, right, honey. You, when you left the CAA, you did get back into entertainment. I did. I, uh, when I left, I knew I kind of came at that crossroads that a lot of us have in their lives where mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm either going to stay forever or I'm going to leave. And I just knew like, if I didn't leave, it was sort of now or never. And mm-hmm. so I, <laughs> my head was like, what's the place that's the most different from DC and the CIA? I'm like, LA. So I moved here, didn't know anybody, didn't have a place to live. I'm just like, I'm going to start my life over. 
And I wanted to do something that got back into sort of that creative roots that I had, the mm-hmm. entertaining, the performing, all of that stuff, because a lot of that really atrophied for me when I was at the agency, because at the end of the day, it's still a government job, even though, you know, there's a bit of acting and all this involved, you don't really get to fully express it. And I think right. for a lot of times, it, it, it gets stifled for so long, it just dies away. And I, I miss that so much. And it, it, just, it was painful to miss it like that. So mm-hmm. I moved back here and I was like, what are, you know, I got back into improv. Um, Where at? Which was. I started doing comedy sports here and mm. I'll tell a quick story. It was, which I think is amazing. I was dating a guy who was a real, like he was a stand up, and he was just a total like shit bird. And we broke up and he's like, and you think you're so funny. Why don't you just do comedy again? And yes, he did sound like that. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? You're right. The next day I joined comedy sports. It was like that day or the next day. And that's where I met my husband. Oh, that's great. I was going to ask where you met him. I met him doing comedy, and he's got a real job in entertainment, but he had always done improv, too, and both of us were like, hey, we're not going to do this as our job, but we want to get back into it because it really it feeds us as yeah. people who do improv, improvisers know, like, there's something about it that just feeds us. It mm-hmm. just, it's, in, it's in the breath, it's in the blood, and you just you, you get that energy off of it, and so we both were doing it, and I met him there, and I was like, okay, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, that's really great so, yeah. that you've been back in. And you do you do speaking engagements? I do speaking, which I love doing. I mm-hmm. love, I do, I've been doing some keynote speeches. It's fun because I think people, when they hire me, I always say, look, it's not going to be your typical keynote speech. You know, I've gone to these conferences, the, a lot of intelligence conferences, and, you know, you see a lot of people with, like, white papers and, you know, big screens with, you know, keynote speeches. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Mm. And so I get up there, I do 45 minutes, of me telling my stories. And I had, to, I was it's like sort of one woman show esque where I, I talk about my journey and lessons learned and, and turn it into that, but I love it. And it's to me, I think my story, even though it was at the CIA is, is relatable enough to other people. And there's nuggets where everybody, there's a sameness cause we're all human. And so we've all had, you know, the challenges and struggles and all that kind of good stuff. That's what makes us all connected in the world. Nice. And, and this is, um, a ridiculous question, but um, it's awful. Don't ask it. <laughs> it's not as ridiculous as the helicopter one, though. But no, that was pretty. That was pretty ridiculous. Did you ask that, or did one of your uh, one of my friends? One of your listeners did. Did? One of my yeah, friends. you tell your friend. I'm going to talk to him later. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I asked it just to make him laugh. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, I, I am curious what theater. If, if you, if someone was saying, hey. I want to be in the CAA, what improv theater should I go to? Um, what theater would you say it is? Would you say it's Groundling since they're so focused on character or, work? Uh, I would say like UCB. I think that mm. like I'm, I probably, I think, cause I think they, they have a really good basic coursework and I think it really gets sort of the meat of improv. Groundlings is also really good about that too, where they give you, you know, the core tenets of what, it is to do improv and it allows you to really play at that. So I think both of those would be great. Like now, even when people ask me out, you know, not in the agency, but you know, like, Hey, if I want to take an improv class just cause I want to be better at work or I want to take it just cause I think it'll be better. Those are the places we always tell people to go. Mm. Cause I think it's, they're so established. They, they know their, they know their stuff, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're improv theaters in DC. Oh, in DC. Yeah. In I'm DC. trying to think in DC where, I'm sure there's a comedy sports there. I think there's a DC improv is there. I don't know if they teach improv there. It's been a little bit, but I know there's that. I'd have yeah. to look into that. So there are options. 
Oh, there's not, and also like most, for people who don't live in LA, New York, Chicago, DC, you know, improv has become such a big thing, and I think part mm-hmm. of it's because of you know the success of you know Groundlings folks at SNL, mm-hmm. and you hear them talking about UCB, mm-hmm. and it's whose line is it anyway? So people, it's a very familiar thing. You know, they're like, oh, Wayne Brady, we get it, he's genius, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, how does he do that? So a lot of cities have him, you know, have improv, you know, classes where you can take improv. It's you know, they're everywhere. I mean, truly from some of the smallest cities to some of the biggest. I mean, Orlando has a huge improv community and they've turned out yeah. Wayne Brady came out of that and there's mm-hmm. amazing talent that has come out. So I think it's everywhere. You can, yeah. you know, if you find it, go to a, co- I always say go to a couple yeah. shows and if you <laughs> like what you're seeing, then take a class. If you go and you're like, this is bad, don't take it because you're just going to have a crap attitude. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, if you're doing improv and looking for a change in career, you don't have to go into the CIA. You could go into something else. No, you should go C- into the CIA. You go into the no, CIA. <laughs> yeah, that's what you should do. Always. Oh, no, um, no it, you know, for me, I, my journey was very, uh, like I said, very different. You know, it's, it's not the traditional journey from improv right. to something else. Most people <laughs> do something other than espionage. Yes. I just decided, let's give it a whirl. Let's see what this whole spying <laughs> thing is all about. Oh, well, For grins and giggles. <laughs> there's so much more I'm sure people want to know about uh, uh, the CIA life and uh, and sure. what it's like. But uh, you can't talk about a lot of it. And <laughs> we have reached the end of the episode. So, Oh, are you going to be? I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be sad about it's it. It's over. Too. It is. But we it's do over. get to create something together. I'm so excited. Okay, what are we going to create? One last segment. So, yeah, um, <gasps> we've been talking so much about Hollywood and how C- the CIA is depicted. Maybe it'd be fun to come up with an idea for a TV show or a movie that fits mm. your sensibilities about what the CIA is. Oh, it would literally be my life at the CIA because yeah, I don't that think there's be ever a been... very interesting angle for us. I think it would be interesting because I think we see that everything in the CIA is done in a very, you know, Carrie Matheson way in Homeland. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, a dramedy nobody... of a CIA dramedy. That would be great. That follows your life. One hour uh, has a lot of humor. I could do a one hour, like a Netflix streaming. I think that could be really <laughs> or interesting. Or one hour I think special, they... yeah. I don't want a one hour special. I, I feel <laughs> oh, like yeah. it needs to have a series, a series. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, an hour long yeah, series like... that is <laughs> comedy and drama. And uh, follows your story. That would be really interesting. Um, Let's pitch it. Yes, let's pitch that. And also, since uh, uh, reality shows are so easy to pitch and uh, cheaper to to (laughs) make, maybe uh, there's a reality show in there somewhere. So there is uh, American Mm. Ninja Warrior. Um, which I always watch a... and my mouth is like dropping open. How I'm like, that's it? amazing. Yes. Yeah. Literally. I'm like, I don't understand this. What am I watching? But They're amazing. Maybe there's a CIA version of that that can exist. Like there's a, a room full of people and you're supposed to guess which one oh. they're all in a disguise and you're supposed to guess which one, or maybe not all of them are in a disguise. One is in a disguise. Everyone else is being themselves and you're supposed to guess which one is the spy. You know, it's funny. Like in real life, I'll go out with like my husband or my friends and they'll be like, is that guy wearing a toupee? Is that a wig? And people always ask me, I'm like, I, 
I don't, let me get a little, oh yeah, it is. And they always do. I'm like, it's like, they like wind me up. They're like, oh, this is our fun game that we play with Emily. I'm like, oh. There's probably the a lot of that in LA, a lot of toupees and wigs. There's still a little of that kind of stuff. And they're I'm always like, oh, or they'll ask me in a movie, like we're watching, like, is that real? Is that not? I'm like, oh, see. And then <laughs> I'll like dissect it. I'm like, do you want me to ruin it for you? Am I allowed to, you know, just squash every joy that you've had watching this? I'm like, if you want me to be a joy squasher, just let me know. I'll do it. If we were making a drama series, though, that was based on operatives, um, what what would be the things that you would say, this definitely has to be the in the show just to get it right? To get it right, like, I think one of the reasons, not to go back to the Americans, I'm not getting paid for these plugs, and it's off the air anyway. I think what they get right about it, I should, though, um, Mm -hmm. what they get right is it's about relationships. And really, I think you watch a movie, watch a TV show, and you don't realize that it's, at the end of the day, it's men and women who go home to their families. And then they go home tired because they're not working one job, they're working two jobs. And they've missed their kids' dance recital again. And, you know, I had a mentor, and not to bring this segment down to a low, but I'll never forget when he said this to me, because I was debating whether I was going to leave the agency. And it was a really tough decision, because mm-hmm. you get in, and they spend a lot of time and money and energy recruiting you, and you're like, how can I leave this? And some people weren't kind when I said I wanted to leave. They took it as, like, I can't believe you're going to leave government service. But he was really sweet, and, you know, we had coffee, and he's like, look, at the end of the day, um, the thing I regret is not trips I didn't go on for the CIA. It was not being there for my wife when her father died. Mm. I chose, I went on a work trip, and at the end of the day, I can never get that back. And he goes, those are human emotions. I will never regret a day, you know, I didn't spend longer in the office. And that's true for everything, Mm -hmm. but especially true, I think, at the agency because you sacrifice so much. And I think that could be, I mean, definitely not funny, but I mean, that's truly what it is. And I'll never forget, he goes, because at the end of the day, you know, in 30 years, you could stay here and retire. And if that's what you want to do, that's great. But if not, just think about who's going to bring you lemonade on your porch. It's not going to be the CIA. Nobody here in this office building is going to bring you lemonade. The person in your life, the person you love, the, those relationships that you nurture, that you care about, that's what matters. And he goes, I, he goes and he's like, people are going to kill me for saying this. He goes, but you need to follow your heart. And if your heart's here, that's amazing. But there's other things out there. And he goes, just remember, you know, you have a full life and what's important to you and how you fill that life. And I think those relationships and, and being a good person, you know, to another person, you know, whatever job you do and, and to really nurture those relationships. That's to me, I think that that's what's important. Like it's not a sexy answer, but no, really, it's a great answer, but that's yeah. all it is. It's, it's about, it's about the people in your world and mm-hmm. how you treat them and, and how much you want to be with them and to be able to spend that time with them because that you'll never get back. Those memories, that's, that's the stuff, you know, that's, mm. that, those are the nuggets of, you know, I'd love to see that yeah, I'd love to see that show. It's about the relationships, which, it you know, is. that's a note that you hear at the Magnet Theater where I'm at or I.O. So yep. there it is, a commercial is. for improv. <laughs> see, I didn't even mean to do it, but I did it. Yay. <laughs> Emily, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, my gosh, thank you. This was so much fun, and I just so enjoyed talking to you about about improv and espionage and all that kind of good stuff. It holds such a special place in my heart because it's where I got my start, it's where I met my husband. And so I just, 
I've always have a have a, just a huge, huge place in my heart for improv. So I love that you're taking time and you're really sharing your love with it to all these folks out there. She's really great. I, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I, I've had the pleasure to talk to her a couple of times off air and we had really just like just fun conversations and and I, I just think she's a great person and I really enjoyed having her on the podcast. You can check out more of her stuff on CIAspygirl.com or on Twitter at CIA Spy Girl. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on social media, both Twitter and Facebook at There It Is Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. Don't forget, you can also go to our website, thereitispod.com. Well, folks, that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.